how do you reconcile people who fled and escaped an autocratic dictatorship who come here and worship and vote for an autocratic dictator? How do you, what I'm seeing is people get the, in a democracy, people get the government they deserve. Welcome to this episode of Pancom Podcast. We're here today with Billy Corbin. I think South, one of South Florida's favorite sons. Isn't that what people say? Isn't that like the thing? One of South Florida's favorite sons? I think that's fair to say. Is it? All right. People, people do say that, but I don't think they say that about me. No, no, I think they do. I don't know. I, say, I, I would give that, as soon as you came out with the U, it was like uh, you were every sports fan's favorite person, I think. Let's just leave it at one of South Florida's sons. All right, that's cool. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Billy, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm sorry that I cannot be with you because I feel like this is a podcast that feeds its guests. Yeah, I, we do. We actually just got a pizza. Now, we got a pizza, we have cocktails, things are happening, so you missed out on a good time, but this is the time to do like a Zoom podcast. This is my first time ever doing this, so bear with me. You look like you got a haircut, um, though. I did get a haircut. I did. I actually, I went to a haircut. I have my barber actually comes to the restaurant and uh, gives everyone haircuts. Gives oh, that's, everyone a, that's haircuts. some VIP shit right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you come to brunch, you get a Benedict, we get haircuts. You know, I mean, that's how it works. Can you get a Benedict haircut is the question. That's Well, that's a totally different type of haircut. I don't, I'm not totally sure what's happening in that. Honestly, um, I'll, I'll take a poached egg with and on anything. Let's dive into like uh, the whole thing. Billy Corbin, everyone knows you. I think like locally, all of my friends got to know you quickly with Cocaine Cowboys and the U. Uh, one of my favorite things is uh, Screwball, which I, I watched and I... I I watched it more times than I actually watched the U, which is shocking because I'm a big I'm a big UM fan. But I found it very intriguing, and I loved the um, the use of like all the kids as actors to like mimic the um, you know Alex Rodriguez and and all the people. So, but I want to go back to the, I think the first the first time you did the your first piece was 2001, right? Uh, our first documentary, yeah, Raw Deal: A Question of Consent, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, in 2001. That's right. 2001. So from there, and it's been, what, 20, 20 years since, how do you feel from 2001 getting all the way to the U and then going to Screwball, having like so many varied different topics all the way from consent to like Screwball? I don't know. I feel like the sports thing, the last two with the U and, and Screwball was like, it had more of a resounding effect to, like, at least the South Florida community. I think it's a pretty good observation. Our first documentary, Raw Deal, a question of consent about the alleged uh, sexual assault of an exotic dancer at the Delta Chi Fraternity House at the University of Florida back in the spring of 2000. And that was an event that had been captured entirely on video by the fraternity men who were involved. And we used that video footage along with interviews with the exotic dancer and some of the fraternity men to kind of put together what happened that night. Um, was she raped? Was she not? What did the video show? Um, and it was quite controversial and quite high profile out of the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, and it gave us the opportunity to make what was at the time our dream project, which was titled City Made of Snow, which was about the cocaine boom 
in Miami uh, during the 70s and 80s and how the narco dollars uh, generated uh, from cocaine, the influx of cocaine, really helped to build Miami-Dade as we know it and love to hate it today. And mm. so uh, we always were on Florida fuckery. We always had our eye on true crime and on Miami-centric uh, characters and episodes because we felt that this was uh, kind of an unmined resource in the nonfiction film world, in the documentary world. There's some wonderful, obviously, novelists and true crime writers and uh, journalists and um, uh, columnists, but no one had ever really co concentrated documentary filmmaking on this area and, and, and in, as like a genre. And we call our genre pop docs because they're a little more pop culture centric. A lot of uh, documentaries uh, tend to be uh, super socially conscious. And while we do cover politics and socially conscious issues, we also try to do it in a very entertaining way because documentaries are still a form of popular entertainment. And so the audience should be engaged in the cinematic experience uh, of, you know, the music and the editing and, and, and all of that. And so what, what's happened though, as you were getting at with the evolution of our work is that we've stayed pretty true to our, our roots. You know, I'm a native Floridian and a lifelong uh, Miamian. And, um, you know, the great thing about Miami is it's so close to the United States. So there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of intrigue that happens here, a lot of unique characters, a really incendiary mix of, of, of kind of the craziest people from all over the world seem to wind up here from every direction. And so I think Screwball, to your point, and I can't thank you enough for for watching it, uh, you know, you're, you're keeping us in business on Netflix probably. Uh, so thank you for that because we put a lot of hard work into it. I think it's our, our best work, even though obviously people know us more for, you know, other shit like Cocaine Cowboys and the U and Broke and the U part two, uh, maybe even Dogfight, uh, which was on Netflix some time ago. But like Screwball to me is the culmination of all of this. It's the sports, it's the drugs, it's yeah. the Miami, yeah. it's the fuckery to me like a fucking voltron of all of our best shit coming together into some kind of mega beast you know and and i think that that if someone said to me like what should we watch of yours i, I feel like there's a lot of, of docs we've done that exemplify our work but none more so than screwball wow this is good nick what are we smoking this episode is brought to you by aganorsa leaf they're the makers of excellent cigars that stand out because of the distinctive flavors of their own Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists in Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. Mike, what are we smoking right now? Wow. This is... Oh, you took your band off. Aganorsa <laughs> Leaf Nicaragua, which... So uh, we recently came into possession of several different Aganorsa cigars. We did. But this is the first time that we smoke this particular blend together. Yeah, I like it. I like it too. And I think that it pairs. I would smoke it again. I think it pairs well with like something heavy like this, like the pizza we just like ate. the pizza we just ate. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for for those of you who are novice smokers, you don't want to go like some light Connecticut thing, right? You know, if you're gonna eat something super heavy like a big steak, or I've been a smoking Chicago the pizza. the Connecticut the Connecticut you gave me, right? Yeah, yeah. Which they're delicious. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, so the Aganorsa portfolio of cigars includes, aside from what we're smoking right now, JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of the Farm, and Casa Fernandez Cigars. Uh, Aganorsa, which was founded by Eduardo Fernandez, fun fact, co-founder of Telepizza, the uh, European-born pizza chain. 
has manufacturing in Esteli, Nicaragua, and Miami, where they make, among other blends, the Casa Fernandez Miami Aniversario. It's Aganorsa's ultra-premium line. Big fan of that cigar as well. Blended for optimal performance in specific sizes, including a box-pressed Lancero. Aniversario is both bunched and rolled by hand in Miami by master Cuban rollers using only that Aganorsa leaf tobacco that we mentioned earlier, including Aganorsa's own Corojo 99 wrapper. The cigars are complex, rich, and full-bodied. You like my cigar? Full-bodied. Tremendo body. Oh, baby. <laughs> Tremendo body. That's a great name for a cigar. Tremendo body. Tremendo body. Uh, perfect for the experienced smoker to celebrate those special moments in life, like, for instance, your first deep dish or stuffed Chicago pizza. Exactly. Only great leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa leaf. Aganorsa leaf. Aganorsa leaf. I hear it's more effective if you say it three times. Uh, it's a good leaf. <laughs> What what's the one that you had the most fun with? Because I don't know, like I watched the U, and like I have a lot of fun watching that documentary. Like I I always talk to my cooks, and I'm like, if we're gonna go into a competition, we're gonna dress like the the U in the '80s, and we're gonna have like the camo, and we're gonna do the whole thing. Because you know, if we're gonna be Miami, we're gonna go the whole fucking way, right? So it's like. I don't know, and I look at that, and it's so many of us were just babies, so we don't like remember that. So we see it now, and it's like, yeah, we want to be that, and you know, the U is so far from that right now. So it's like, it gives us that sense of pride. So I have a lot of fun watching that one, but I was more, um, I guess, like drawn in by Screwball. You know, you always want to say the last one was the most fun. You know, or the best one or whatever. But I'm, I'm being very sincere about Screwball being my favorite. It was also a lot of fun to make, but it was such hard work. Oh, yeah. As you talked about the reenactments that we did with the kids, lip syncing, the dialogue, drunk history style and everything. The kids were a dream to work with. The most professional group of people I've ever been involved with. But the work was so hard. You know, the days were long and we were on location all over Miami. We really shot uh, at... Uh, live. We really shot at the uh, sports bar and grill in South Miami. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we went to the Ritz Carlton, like the actual locations where these events took place. We shot as whenever we could in the real place. So we were running all over town with with eight year old kids dressed as cops and doctors and lawyers. And we were in a real courtroom in Miami, downtown Miami. I mean, it, it was just a lot of work, but I, I, I think you, I, I, I think you got it. I think the you was so much fun. Yeah. I mean, the guys were so great to meet. Um, in a way, you know, when you, I mean, I was a little kid in the Orange Bowl, so like mm. when you meet these guys, um, you meet Alonzo Highsmith. Like Alonzo Highsmith, I mean, Columbus grad, right? But it's like meeting James Dean. It's like meeting an icon because like you're you're a, you're a kid, single digits, barely in the orange bowl and these guys are down there on the big stage and they're like fucking legends. So they're rock stars. I mean, I saw Michael Jackson and the Jackson five perform at the orange bowl. And I saw the Miami hurricanes play, you know, in the eighties. So like these guys are fucking superstars. So to now meet them. And I mean, Zoe is a good example because Alonzo Highsmith was in playing shape when I met him, you know, like 30 years later, you know, um, and is like still in his, Prime. He was like perpetual in his, um, you know, uh, it was just, it was absolutely incredible. Um, and 
I mean, going to Jimmy Johnson's house down in Isla Mirada. I mean, get out of here, you know, <laughs> no, get out of here. Um, it's just like, that's like a dream come true, you know, and, and to go to, uh, to go watch Jimmy Johnson and his lifestyle down there in the Florida Keys, that man is living the dream. Oh, yeah. He's living the dream. I, when I die, I want to come back, be reincarnated as Jimmy Johnson's hair. Okay? Like, <laughs> I mean, first of all, there is nothing on earth that, is, that, that gets taken care of as well as that, number one. Yeah. And number two, it's living its best life. I mean, it's yeah. just, I mean, it's an amazing, that whole thing was an amazing experience. We, we, um, we did Jimmy's interview. And we had a very narrow window of opportunities. Like, come on. And, like, we came in morning. We were all alone. Like, we went in the gate. We set up. He came out, put on his filming shirt, which is basically just like a Florida dad fishing shirt, you know. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. And we're shooting in his backyard, beautiful, looking at the Atlantic Ocean. There's these two beautiful, like, one's like a hatteras, like these beautiful fishing boats, you know, uh, docked back there. And we didn't know this. Because we came in, like I said, by ourselves and we set up the interview because we wanted the beautiful background, right? And so, but in our shot, by the time we started rolling an hour or two later, all of Jimmy Johnson's fishing buddies had arrived and were loading up the boat in the background of our shot. So we had all these dudes crossing the background of our shot. We'd have to be hold the roll, hold the roll. And they, you know, they'd be loading up the tackle and the the fishing rods and the sandwiches and the beer. And so, oh, this sounds like a good day. And well, Jimmy fun. though was on the clock because he's small boys. I hear them fish fighting. I hear those. Fight. Let's go, coach. I'm sorry. Like the, we have to stop when these guys cross in the background. And really, it was my screw up because I pointed the camera. What, as it turns out, in the exact direction where these guys would be shooting. So we finally get to the end of the interview. I'm like, I got everything I needed. I got all my questions in. And Jimmy says, we done? I said, yes, coach. Thank you so much for the time. He jumps off the chair. He changes his shirt. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He jumps off the chair and he goes, hang on a second. There's one more thing I want to say. And, you know, you shouldn't interview. Sometimes it's half hour. Sometimes it's several hours. Uh, and... Um, my Mel Bratton interview, I felt like went on for two days. He was amazing. Um, mm. And uh, we, you never know what you're going to use and what you're not going to use. You're always, as a director, doing an interview and, and, and listening for lines that are going to make the movie. You're, and you're like, oh, and you get one, you're excited. You're like, oh, shit, you feel like you did your job. You know? And, and um, he's like, one more thing. And he gets back on the chair. We roll camera again. And I'm thinking, what's he going to say? And he does this amazing soundbite as we're pushing in on the dolly about how, you know, I went to high school here. I won national championships there. I was in Oakland. I was here and there. But my school is Miami and my town is my. He does this amazing. I wish I could remember all that because it was like this perfect soundbite. I wouldn't do it justice anyway. But like and the camera pushes in he does, and we're all just like speechless. It was this perfect soundbite. It didn't need any editing. It did the dolly move was perfect. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, what are the odds that like I know that's gonna make the movie? Like it was perfect. He's like, We done? I'm like, Yes, coach. Yeah. He jumps off the chair again, he changes shirts, he runs to the boat in the background of our shot, jumps on it, 
and disappears into the Atlantic Ocean. All still, my crew is still just standing there going like, this was just, yeah. it was like we were like on Mount Olympus and like <laughs> Zeus just fucking spoke to us. It was, and I, and I thought to myself at that moment, like this man has life perfected. You know, when yeah. everybody's like, oh, Jimmy Johnson should come back and coach the U. I'm like, oh, no, fuck, this guy doesn't want oh. to, doesn't need that pressure. This guy's fucking living the dream, baby. He's living the Florida dream. I mean, why, why, would, it, why would he do it again if he already reached the top? Why would he do that again? You know, like, I always look, I always look at UM and, like, the Orange Bowl had so many magical moments. As soon as we took the Orange Bowl down, all the magic was gone. And that's what we're left with now. I mean, just we're going into a sports tirade, which I'm like. No, but let's talk about this, though. Let's talk about this. You know, Miami, it's a Miami thing. Miami has a transient population, a lack of institutional memory. It's a young, it's one of the youngest cities in America's uh, perpetual rebellious teenager because of that. And so what, what do the kids want? The kids want the new shit, baby. The kids don't care about all that retro nostalgia. The kids want the new shit, the hot shit, whatever. So Miami's always like, we don't value history. We don't value our monuments. We don't value that. We value the new shit because there's no money in preserving the old shit. The money is in knocking it down, redesigning it, rebuilding it, hiring the Latin Builders Association, paying off all the politicians. It, that's what feeds the corruption and the progress. We have a finite amount of real estate in this peninsula here, and the only way to make that money and to recycle it is to knock shit down. Right, but I, I, would, I would say in response to that that Miami, like me, I think I, I represent Miami like through and through, right? Because, I mean, I'm born and raised here. I was raised in Little Havana. Like, I want old Miami. I want the Miami that has substance because the people that don't want Miami to have substance are the people that capitalize on it financially. They're the Bill Fullers of Little Havana. They are the Carlos Jimenez's cousins that they capitalize on all those, um, like what you were saying, right? The Latin association that does all the building, right? That's not me. That's not me. That's not my people. My people want the orange bowl back. Like my people want those things that make sense. My people want those old institutions like Casa Wancho, which has been there for 40 years. You know, like we want those things that create like that show the rest of the country that Miami is a special place. The transient part of Miami is not my Miami. Right. The transient part of Miami is the people that just got here a couple of years ago and they want to go to Club Live. You know what I'm saying? Vote better. Yeah. I mean, shit. I mean, I am, I am one vote, but it's the rest of the city. city well, yeah? What I'm saying is tell your people, vote better. I mean, you, you said your people who write, the, vote better. Yeah, I mean. Vote yeah, better. I mean, stop, stop voting for Carlos Jimenez. Stop voting for Francis Suarez. Stop voting for Ken Russell. Stop voting for Joe Carollo. Stop voting for Keon Hardiman. Stop voting for, uh, for Fernandez Wendell, for Diaz Ballard, for, Diaz de, la, for uh, uh, Diaz de la Portilla, for Hijo de Puta. Stop. You're also talking about an older generation that is easily swayed, yeah? It's the younger generation now that right now is the one that's going to make a difference. Just like in this, in this state, the way that the city is today is for the next 10 years going to see the biggest change that we've seen over the last 50. Because like my, my parents and my parents' parents, they're all like almost programmed to vote the way that they're, they've been voting, right? So now a younger generation has more whether they side with 
what you agree with or what I agree with or whatever, they have more of a choice. They're not programmed. They can sit there and they can come to their own conclusion because they, I feel like since they're here and they've been here and they know what they want a little bit better, they can vote in that regard. I, I agree. I not only agree with you, but I'll, 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 uh, I'll go one further and say they are also seeing the system exposed oh, at its right. worst at this moment. So they're not, right. forget open up, they're going like, oh shit, this doesn't work. This is, this is as broken a system as there could ever conceivably be. And listen, this is why I'm politically active all the time. Um, I understand that people can't be. I mean, listen, if our government wanted us involved, they wouldn't have city commission and county commission meetings at 9 a.m. on a Thursday. OK, right. because in Miami, you got to be at one of your three or four jobs that you have to do just to make ends meet. You can't participate in your government and they don't want you to. If they wanted you to, they'd at least put it on a fucking Saturday. So maybe you'd have a shot to show up and participate. OK, so but my point is that, like, I'm always trying to raise awareness on that. And people don't have time for that. I get it. Now that people are out of work, OK, at home, watching people get sick and die, watching every level of government, local, state federal, fuck this up. And, and, and people are dying because of it. Everybody's going, holy shit. And I'm like, listen, you should see what this government's doing during good times. Okay. They're fucking up and, and all they're doing is stealing. I knew the second a crisis emerged, the second we had an emergency, who's going to save us? Uh, Carlos Jimenez, Ron DeSantis, Francis Suarez, get the fuck out of here. These guys spend all year round stealing from us while nobody's looking. And now a crisis happens. They don't know what to do. This government doesn't provide. These city governments don't provide any services. At least the county provides sewage, water, trash. They fix the streets. They make the lights go red and green. These cities, these 34 municipalities in this town, these fiefdoms, they are nothing but this. To shake people down for money. City of Miami, where you are right now, and I am mercifully not, although I am an unincorporated Miami-Dade. Uh, the city of Miami, one of 34 municipalities in this Game of Thrones in paradise, where instead of dragons, we have fucking iguanas. Um, uh, you know, we, city of Miami, budget, $1.13 billion with a B. 74 cents of every dollar goes to one budget line item for salaries and benefits. So you tell me what they're doing for you. When you watch a city commission meeting and you got this mob lawyer who they call a city attorney, Vicky Mendez, who all she is is a mob lawyer covering up all the illegal shit and crazy shit, okay, that these city commissioners and this mayor and this city manager and the last city manager are doing, okay? And you go, this just a real estate hustle. All these are to steal from us all day long. What services? What, what are they doing for you? They're stealing your money through taxes, through property taxes, through uh, TDT, you know, tourism taxes, sales taxes. And they're there pushing it across the table to the police union who's pushing it back across the table to them for their kickbacks. They're pushing it across the table to Jorge Moss and all these millionaire and billionaire uh, real estate developers who are then pushing it back to them through PAC donations, dark money. Um, we don't even know who Francis Suarez's clients are in his law firm because that's secret. We don't even know who paid for Francis Suarez's new house that according to his financial disclosure forms, he cannot afford a down payment, let alone that mortgage. 
what is going on? Nobody knows, nobody cares, but now people are paying attention. So like you said, well, now maybe your generation is going, our, gener our generation is going, what the me, uh, fuck? Just for, uh, we, we like to talk about how big our following is in Salina, Kansas. Uh, so for, for the person who might come across this and not be from here and not have this context, I imagine some people might hear this and think like, well, shit, I'm not from Miami. My government's fucked up, too. What, what might you say to that person to kind of help them understand what you're referring to in terms of how all of this makes Miami unique? It's a really good question. First of all, they're probably right. Their town's probably fucked up, too. There's probably, <laughs> there's, there's probably a Francis Suarez in their town, a Keon Hardiman in their town. Joe Carollo's only in one town. Joe Carollo is only in one town. I'm sorry. That guy, if there's any more of that one, we're in fucking trouble as a country. But go on. And as we speak, he's creeping around in the bushes outside Ball and Chain. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to shut you down, Bill Fuller. And then uh, I'm going to go home and beat my wife. Yes, you know like Joe Carollo as Joe. My dad's hurting my mom, Carollo. <laughs> because, because that's what his young daughter said in the 911 tape when he was hurting his, his, his wife. Uh, not, oh, by the way, domestic brutal. violence is nothing to uh, joke about. So why do you keep voting for Joe? My dad's hurting my mom, Carollo. This is my point, all right? I'm using satire, okay, to, to, to attempt to needle uh, a generation of people who think that Joe Carollo is the answer. Let me tell you something, as a documentarian, and this is something that people who are not in Miami can look at in their own town. As a documentarian, I'm constantly going back to the archives. I'm looking at old news footage, old press conferences, old news packages, broadcasts, so I just randomly opened a friggin' tape from 2000, at least 20 years ago, maybe longer. And the first story on this tape is a my city commission meeting with Joe Croyo yelling at Xavier Suarez. Okay. Now, for some perspective for people not here, Joe Carroyo is a um <laughs> what an r role that is like years of practice Carrollo, um <laughs> is <laughs> is um he was a city miami city commissioner a mayor of miami and now is the uh, is a city commissioner but what i just described to you has been the last 30 fucking years okay xavier suarez is uh, was a former mayor of miami whose son is now the mayor of Miami. He is now a county commissioner of Miami-Dade and running to be county commissioner while his son is still the city commissioner. Yes, third world banana republic bullshit. But let me tell you that the problem is is that we have in Miami, we, we have 21st century and 20th century hmm. leaders. Our mentalities are in the 20th century. I mean these are the same last names from the 20th century. And so if you are in a community where you have these entrenched people who feed at the public trough, and let me tell you, once you get a taste of that drug, of that public money, it is addictive, and that addiction is hereditary, okay? So it will, it will infect for generations, and they will steal from your community for generations. So if you have one of those generations, Chicago had it with the dailies. Los Angeles has it with the Garcetti's. If you have these generational leaders and these people who, who, who are like the fucking living dead, they keep coming, the political living dead, like they keep coming back to life and run, they're like fucking weekend at Bernie's running, you know, fucking corpses running for office 
30 years later, you have this problem and you need a new generation of leadership. You need some new last names. And, and that's what's happening here is that this is a feature. Um, this is, this oh. is a Batista style government here. That's what this is. Ooh. It is a Batista style crony capitalism government. As a wise man once told me, Miami is living proof that the Cubans wouldn't know what to do with democracy if they had it. Oh, that's strong. That is, it. that is a very strong statement, I think. I mean, I, the reason why I, I, dis, I, mean, I, I disagree with that because, I'm, because me being of Cuban descent, I mean, I think I know what to do with democracy, right? I think that, I think that right now, like you said, since the fact that we have so much time on our hands and people are starting to pay attention, people of our generation are going to start to hold the reins and start to change things. But I do think that systematically over the last 30 years, Miami has been ran by people that want to tell us how to live instead of how to improve the life in which we came to live. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm being a dick, but, <laughs> but I, I, I agree that first generation Cubans in this country are a different breed. I mean, you know who I'm talking about. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you know well, about I mean, abuelo y abuelita and these, these kind of stick, the stick, the old stick in the mud that you said earlier are totally set in their ways and not only vote the wrong way, vote in a toxic way often against their own best interests just because someone showed up and gave them a fucking turkey one year. I, I think toxicity, though, is not just I mean, I, and this is for our listeners in Salina, Kansas. Toxicity is is an all over the country thing. I think it's a uneducated thing. I think it's a thing of like, this is what you're comfortable with. Like, you know, we always we go back to people who vote for Trump or don't vote for Trump and these Trump rallies and this Tulsa rally and the thing. And, you know, like it. If you look at a lot of those people and the toxic parts of that, they're just like uneducated weirdos, right? And it's everywhere. It's not just like Miami has like a special type of uneducated weirdo, right? But I also think middle America has this uneducated type of weirdo that's like it's a totally different spectrum but still the same. So I think it always comes back to that same thing. There's an uneducated like – just toxicity in the world and when i when i listen to some of the things that these people say it it's not even like it's just like what the fuck are you talking about this doesn't make any fucking sense you sound like a fucking moron no matter what side of the aisle you vote for you sound like a fucking moron well and and to and to your point there there's an element of that that's like praying you can prey on people's vulnerabilities anywhere right the the same way that people are preyed on when they flee to Miami from more repressive governments, you know, there, there's it's it's the same reason that people uh, appreciated Escobar in Bogota and that people were on board with the Panthers because they got free breakfasts. So that sort of thing is not unique to to Miami or to Cubans. It's it's a sort of a universal. Like, but universal, let's like, but let's talk. But wait, 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 wait. I have a, a perfect example. Just like talking about. And it, and it goes back to the idea of our country, right? So, like, I, I box. That's, like, my, my form of exercise and cardio because I hate running long distance. So I box. And on Mondays, I box at noon and I box alone. But then there's a group of, like, five Cuban kids. They can't be more than, like, between 15 to 18 years old. Like, these kids are, like, fresh. They've been here for, like, a year. 
and they box and these kids are like brutal fucking badasses like these kids will crush 90% of the boxers that I know anyways long story short after every time I watch them box they sit there with their boxing coach that's also like a guy that's fresh Cuban and they sit there like in boxer with the whole the American flag behind them very proud to be in this country right and it's just the it's the difference it's perspective it's like what they live through and then what you have when you have your as fucked up as it is is still better than only being told you can have one cup of rice for the whole fucking week you feel me okay let me ask you this then how do you reconcile people who fled and escaped an autocratic dictatorship who come here and worship and vote for an autocratic dictator. How do you, what I'm seeing is people get the, in a democracy, people get the government they deserve. So Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing is, is how do you say, we did such a bang up job with our politics in Cuba, we're gonna come here and fix America and vote for this guy, vote for this Trump. What I'm saying, how do you resolve, how do you reconcile that? What is the the explanation? For that, this guy is just Fidel early. OG, like he's just origin story Fidel. Like, how do how do people not see that? He does these bloviating multi-hour speeches in front of adoring morons, okay? Yeah. Glorified clan rallies, okay, just like Fidel did. Okay. Mm. He 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 ta- he lies in every breath that he takes, okay? He is not interested in helping anybody else other than stealing for himself and his family and cronies. What I'm saying is like, how is it that, that, that this is, that, that this is goes unseen and uh, misunderstood? I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, this is not to justify anything that Trump does because I think anybody who listens to this podcast for long enough knows that nobody here is a Trump fan. Right, uh, no Trumpers here. But, but I think there is, I think part of, part of the issue, and Mike, feel free, obviously, because yeah, your yeah. name is on the podcast to disagree with me. Uh, I think part of the issue is that people sort of recoil at the comparison because the fact is that if we're going to com- if we're going to make the Fidel comparison, Fidel does not have an opposition in government. Fidel doesn't have uh, Supreme Court justices he appointed himself making decisions he doesn't like. Fidel doesn't have uh, somebody threatening to primary him. Fidel doesn't have poll numbers lower than somebody from another political party. So there are people who hear that comparison and think you're full of shit. And they're not 100% wrong. This all, this my, all, my thing it is... All, it all starts somewhere, though. For sure. But no, but with, but with Fidel, it didn't start there. With Fidel, it started in a mountain. He came yeah. down from the mountain, and overnight, that was it. There was no transition period there. But partly, partly enough, and just like with the problem with Fidel, right? Like, I always go back to this thing. We are part of every problem. And when I say we, human beings are part of every problem. We, in essence, said, Fidel, we will follow you. There was a good amount of people that were oh, like, we absolutely. want to follow you, 100%. right? Like, there's a bunch of dumb fucks that say, we want to follow this fucking, this in Tulsa. Like, I don't know. Like, there was people that actually showed up to that. We're part of the problem. People, human beings are part of the problem because they're easily swayed. They don't want to educate themselves on anything that's difficult. Totally. Now, I, I'm, I'm not suggesting that the Trump phenomenon is a healthy one. I'm just saying that I think there are probably people who sort of recoil and get defensive when they hear that comparison so direct. When they sure. tr- when they hear it treated as a one to one. So so what? So uh, those people are idiots. But the 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 point is is that 
uh, what is it? Is it is it they just like a strict father? They've never never met a strong man they didn't like. What is it that like that this this con man? Let me tell you, Fidel Castro was not a communist or a socialist. Fidel Castro was a con man and a wannabe dictator who used communism as his con man pitch to ultimately be the dictator that sure. he wanted to be. Trump is the same fucking thing. He's a con man who wants to be a dictator. And this MAGA, CAGA, drain the swamp bullshit is his con man pitch to, to achieve the same end that Fidel Castro did, which is to try to be an autocratic dictator for life. That, I just, I, I look, it, when it, I look it at- It is the American analog of Cuba. He's not Fidel Castro. He's the American analog. And how is it that people who have survived this who have escaped this at great personal consequence and great yep. sacrifice, come here and say the same thing is great again. Yeah. No, I don't I don't understand. I personally don't understand the people that equally support something like what we're living and then to what we had. But I will say this in the comparison to Fidel and Trump, the reason why I see them drastically different is because Trump is a moron and Fidel was not a moron. He was not a moron. He was actually rather intelligent, and Trump is a fucking moron. He was actually intelligent. Trump. Uh oh. You're getting you're getting into Aussie territory. I'm just saying. Like, it's just. I, I mean, just. I I I sometimes wonder if if Trump can actually read a book. Like I I think I look at Fidel as someone that, you know, he's not a moron. He's not what we're looking at right now. He's just not. It's great to be here with the Marlins' uh, next former manager. It's. Oh no! no. <laughs> what was his name? Ozzy. Ozzy Gian. Ozzy Gian. That's right. And by That's the way, right. he made a very interesting, funny point. He was kind of like saying, like, because remember there was that time when we'd get a whiff that Castro was dead. We'd grab the pots and pans and run to Versailles. You know, like I was there. Like, but the guy, it felt like he was never gonna fucking die. It felt mm. like. There was going to be a nuclear holocaust, and afterwards there'd be cockroaches, Twinkies, and Fidel Castro. Like, like he was going to fucking, like, he was just this zombie murderer, you know, that he was just going to live forever. Um, I, have a strange, I have a strange feeling that Fidel is somewhere still alive. I, I feel like he's like, it's like that show, there's a show now on Netflix that somehow Hitler is still alive somewhere. I feel like Fidel is the same Oh thing. yeah, he's chilling with Tupac and Elvis. Yeah, the same thing. I feel like it's very similar. I love, I love that I feel like we've almost pissed everybody off so far tonight. <laughs> Welcome to Pancom Podcast. What I'm worried about is that we haven't pissed off everyone yet. So uh, who else uh, do we have to, who else do we have to uh, hit tonight? Well, I mean, I, I actually, okay, before we go into more like personal things and like things that I want to gripe on personally, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to talk about the fact that we were talking about, um, your career and we ended up at screwball but like what's what's happening now like what's next other than the mullet ish -ish thing that you have going on yeah oh this is this is (laughs) mullet i told you i'm telling you this is this is my quarantine hair i have not i've been quarantined since friday the 13th remember march 13th yes that was like the friday the 13th where we all just like where the zombie apocalypse started i mean we all of us just fucking opened our eyes like we were Andrew Gillum on the floor of the South Beach Mondrian looking around going like, what the hell is going on in the world right now? You know, 
Hey, hey, just offended the Democrats. What? <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. They were no, just floor drugs. No, no, no. Drugs. Hey, you know why I love that? It's because I actually I cooked at that guy's rally in Little Havana, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I cooked. It was me, like America, Ferrara, Zoe Saldana, right? I was just like, these. I mean, this is great. And then... You know, and then everything happens. You, 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 know what, you know what they say. Don't meth with the Democrats. Ew. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's good. Irregardless. That's good. Irregardless, which is, which is what we say in Miami because we're yeah, illiterate. No. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah, no. I use, it, I use, I use the term ironically, though. Mm. Nice. Uh, I, I will say that, uh, first of all, as we know, the Democrats never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. All the opportunities. They've missed all the opportunities. Let's be perfectly real. Yeah, the Republicans suck, but the Democrats keep losing to these idiots. Yeah. So, like, you gotta, you got to sort of call them out because how is that possible? And how is it that, like, they, how, why aren't they just impeaching everybody every day? I don't I care know. what the Senate does. Let them vote. Let them say which side of history they're on because these are a bunch of vichy America traitors, okay, these Republicans. <laughs> but the Democrats... They don't even know. The Democrats are showing up, okay, to a to a. They're showing up to a bar fight with a soccer ball. Like, are we playing soccer? They don't even know what fucking game. Like they're like they're in. So Do Donald Trump has got them on the ground. He's kicking them in the stomach. He's got his fucking foot on their neck, and they're going. But but the Constitution. You are losing that argument, okay? Like you got to fight fire with fire. The only thing a bully understands is to get pushed back. I'm talking to you, Ricky Ariola. You Avanti boy. Ooh. Get out of here. I love this. This is great. This is so far the most entertaining episode of Pancom Podcast ever. But no, but none of but none of your fans in Bangor, Maine, or Kalispell, Montana <laughs> know what the fuck we're talking about right now. But let me tell you what right Salina, Kansas, get it as, right. As sure is the day is long, Ricky Ariola, tremendo sapingo fucking garbage person. Uh, Spanish is good. Anyway. Um, I feel like Ricky Ariola is a Columbus guy. I feel like that happens. Could be. Ricky, Ricky Ariola went to Lords. <laughs> <laughs> Good chance. It's a joke for the main crowd. Yeah. No, they're not gonna get it. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it. it's fine. Nick, Nick, Nick's, Nick's like I'm from Miami, and I don't even know what the hell these guys are talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, it's good. No, no. I, yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're talking to a Belen guy and a Columbus guy. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, Of course I'm talking guys. to a Belen guy. Have, have you ever been to my, I call Miami City Hall the Belen East Campus. There it is. Right. I like that. I like that. <laughs> oh, Belen. What an interesting group of kids. Anyways, <laughs> let's, let's talk about what's next for Billy Corbin. But enough about the elephant walk. <laughs> This is the most entertained I've ever been, I think. This is great. Seriously. Come on. Give me something. Do you are you working on something? Is there something like what it like I am. I gotta tell you, I've been working uh twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, uh, on pissing off the state attorney, as it turns out. That's good. We've got several uh we've got several pro new projects in the works, uh, two of which will be out, uh, at least two of which will be out before the end of the year. But unfortunately I cannot talk about any of them but i'm i'm telling you right now you are going to love both of them and i hope that uh you'll consider having me back and we can and we can talk about them because if you love screwball you are going to love uh these next two that are coming Hold out on. this year 
you want to come back on this show? This is crazy. This is the first time anyone's ever said that. I was just being polite on the air. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm totally ghosting you guys. I'm blocking. Are you expecting a bigger or a smaller bump from this than you got from Rogan? Uh, Ro- Rogan, Rogan took all of our Spotify money. I just said that earlier. Wait, when you're on the Rogan show, you're doing lots of bumps. I'll tell you that yeah. right now. Yeah, that's true. That's without a doubt. <laughs> all right. Well, I think, I mean, this is like a really, there's a lot of facets yeah. to this show. Well, he's already committed to coming back, so we don't. We, there's, you know, if there's meat left on the bone, we can leave it for for take two. Maybe if there's some duck medianoches involved. Whoa, Chugs reference. Little hey. podcast extortion over here. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That uh, that branding. We're branding everything. Everybody thinks I am, uh, you know, ab- above bribery, but I I'm for sale. I mean, we're talking about you're talking about the right food. We're talking about some, uh, you know, some Devon pastries or desserts. There it is. I like that. I mean, I know there's only one way Danny Surfer would name a sandwich after anybody, and it involves bribery. It wasn't. Actually, that, is, that was the most organic sandwich naming, like, ever. Um, it, was the, it, was, it was the most natural thing in the world uh, because I, I was coming in, and I'm, 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 I'm a really, you know, I'm a really annoying restaurant patient. Um, I love, you know, I love the restaurant experience. And, and it's tough. And you know, in Miami, it's tough. To, good help's hard to find and, and service can be tough and the customers are a pain, a total pain in the ass. You know, as, I, as I often joke in Miami, um, if you want to ruin any place in Miami, just add people, okay? Like, <laughs> if you're like, oh, I love restaurant. I love this bar. I love, the second people start coming there, you're like, this place sucks now. You know, Like, like Lanyap. There's so many of those. There's so many. As soon as you like, as soon as Brickle finds out, just stop going. Yeah, stop. listen, I used to go to this bar, my favorite bar. This is going back, way back, uh, called Transit Lounge. Oh, come on. Yeah, Transit Lounge. And you know, this is pre-Brickle. Like, this is before people lived. It was a 24-hour, you know, place with residents. This was a fucking dive bar. No, like, it was, it was us. It was me and my friends. It was a few of the Brickle residents. And then, like, a homeless guy defecating in the corner. By the Still floor. doing that. So, um, yes. And I, I was like, I was like, why does this, what does this Connect Four game smell like? Anyway, so <laughs> um, it's, it turns out it smells like Ken Russell. So, um, uh, anyway, uh, that, that, a little, a little, a little something for the uh, Kalispell, Montana crowd, huh? A little, oh, little Ken, man. Little, little Ken oh, Russell man. name drop uh, over there. But um, they're like, who the fuck are these? Ra- hey, randomly, do you think that these guys voted for their lifetime pension today or no? No. Um, it, so far, they're trying to convince everybody that it is dead in the water it, it, yeah. indefinitely. But let me tell you, the, the move has been to, to delay it indefinitely and then sneak it back on the agenda when they think nobody's looking. And the second they do, there's a round of bad publicity and they we're all just playing whack-a-mole out here while they try to rob us. Can you imagine you're like at the bank and like the robber, like you see the robber coming, go, there's a robber coming and they go, oh no, no, I'm not coming. And they run away. But then the next day, fucking robbers coming again. That's what it's like dealing with these uh, city commissioners. Um, it's just, they're bad. They're bad news. They're all bad news. Man, I like Manolo Reyes. I think he's got potential. The problem is he's like 963 years old. So <laughs> he's, got, he's, he's got potential, but I don't know how, how long he's going to be in, in city government. Um, but I mean, you've got wretchedly corrupt people running the city of Miami and they are there for no reason but to steal from you. Mark my words. I mean, I was, talk, I was t- trying to warn everybody that this Marlins Park scheme 
was a racket and a robbery. And people, you're just a hate. You're like, bro, like you're just a hater, bro. Okay, like why do you hate everything, bro? And I'm like, Francis, sit down. <laughs> All right, sit down, Miss Francis. So, like, bro, like why are you such a hater, bro? Like, Mel Reese is a really good deal, bro. Oh man, no, bro. Oh, that's or, one of our former guests. Huh? Has dirt on you, and that's oh, why you back one of our former guests right there. All right. So what I'm telling you right now is, is they're stealing us right now. That's what's happening. You're, we're sitting here talking shit, smoking cigars, and they are. But real, real estate in this city is what runs the whole city's government. A hundred percent. Real estate, real estate deals like the millions and billions of dollars that are being poured into high rises all over the city is what runs the city. That is like, forget about the fucking government. It's these hedge funds that run real estate and that want to put 100-story high-rises in a neighborhood that already has traffic and has no parking already. So, yeah. I mean, you can all... you. I mean, I know you, like, I know you understand this, but just if you look at Carlos Jimenez and the money that he's only gifted to his, like, cousin... Not even talking about like the other people around him. You're talking about real estate being the corruption center of the city. That's where it comes from. Let me let me let me just say it right now. Carlos Jimenez's wife's cousin. Yes, 147 million dollars in nine years. Carlos Jimenez's wife's cousin. They crushed six people to death when the yes. FIU. That is absolutely correct. Murdered those people, as far as I'm concerned. Murdered those people. And the scariest thing about that is that when certain crimes happen, the victims are targeted, or you feel like, well, I could never have been that victim because of these X, Y, and Z circumstances. Let me tell you about the FIU bridge. All of us have driven that street countless, countless times. Hundreds, thousands. Any single one of us or our friends or our loved ones could have been on that street, at that time, on that day, when that bridge collapsed. So this isn't a targeted thing. This isn't, you know, well, I don't go out at night. You can, everybody likes to make excuses for why they would not have fallen. They like to, we like to blame the victim in this society. Why we not, would not have fallen prey to this crime or that accent or whatever. But the bottom line is any of us could have been under that bridge and crushed to death by negligence, corruption, and cronyism. Okay? And... That is Carlos Jimenez. Carlos yep. Jimenez has the blood of those six people on his hands and his family's hands, and he doesn't care even after they murdered those people. He recommended we renew their multi-million dollar contract at the Miami International Airport and give them another 50 million on top of their 132 million so that they, I don't know, could go and crush more people to death. Come at me, bro. I don't care. All right? No I'm one, telling you right now, they're murderers. No one has been charged in the deaths of those people. Well, let me, let me tell you why. Day one, I'm telling you, bodies trapped in the rubble. And Catherine Fernandez Rundle, the state attorney in Miami-Dade County, our top cop who's responsible for holding people to account for their misconduct and corruption and crimes. She says the investigation hasn't even started yet. She says, you know, it's very difficult to criminally charge in cases like this, this is most likely going to be a civil matter. That's Kathy Grundle. Kath, yes. And so, good name. And so, the investigation hasn't started yet. 
bodies are warm and still trapped under this collapsed, the, a bridge that did not collapse accidentally. This was an act of negligent homicide. She's saying before the investigation has begun that this is, she's not going to charge anybody. This will be a civil matter. These are people who have Marco Rubio on speed dial. Marco Rubio shows up to the crime and starts defending MCM, the Mania family, the murderers, amongst the murderers of those people. Who gets Marco Rubio, a sitting, a sitting U.S. senator, to show up and start doing crisis management and PR for a co construction company that just murdered people? Okay, You have the governor of Florida at the time, Rick Scott doing crisis management for these criminal corporations. Carlos Jimenez calling in from Hong Kong on another corrupt grift trip, defending <laughs> these murderers because they're his wife's cousin. You have Catherine Fernandez Rundle, the state attorney, for 27 years in Miami-Dade County, defending these on day one, already saying, why didn't the governor remove her and uh, or why didn't she recuse herself and they assign another state attorney to the investigation when she has explained from minute one that she is compromised? Catherine Fernandez Rundle, think about her. Catherine Fernandez Rundle has never charged a law enforcement officer with an on-duty killing during her entire 27 years in office. What kind of accountability is that? What kind of top cop is that? If you want to know why political corruption and police misconduct have flourished I mean, blossom in this community like orange groves. It is because of Catherine Fernandez Rundle. Okay. And we have, we have suffered 27 years of injustice uh, under her reign of terror. And it's, it's, it's got to stop for us to ever see real change. Cause you know what will happen if you vote Melba Pearson state attorney, you know, how they say the people shouldn't be scared of their government. The government should be scared of the people. People are going to be scared of state attorney Melba Pearson. Corrupt politicians and dirty cops are going to go, oh, shit, maybe now we'll get in trouble for murdering people on the streets and violating their constitutional rights. Now you'll get government running scared of the top cop who's going to start holding people accountable. That is why the fuckery flourishes, my friends. Well, I mean, I, it goes back to the first thing we said, right? I mean, the only people that are going to enact change are the people that can vote now. And the people that of our generation are the ones that are going to start making changes, going to start forcing changes, going to start talking more about having some kind of change. Because, like, I am the first person in the world to talk about how much I fucking despise social media. I fucking despise every part of social media and the look at me world that we live in and look at everything we do and look at all these things and how cool I am. But at the end of the day, the only good thing about social media is people becoming more educated quickly and people understanding issues like, I mean, so the, uh, talking about Kathy, what is it? Kathy Rundle, right? That's her name. I keep on Grundle. fucking her name. Let's up. call her Grundle. Grundle. I like that. I did that earlier. I like Kathy Grundle is good. So Kathy Grundle, right? Didn't she just threaten to arrest you for <laughs> coming out with that, that two and a half minute video that you did? Yes. And I'm very scared. <laughs> it seems, it seems like you're running for the hills here on Pancom podcast live with us running for the hills, getting a haircut. 
<laughs> running for a haircut. No, but I mean, in, in all seriousness, that this is the, the value in which things like quick media and social media have like, it educates people that can make a difference and that want to go out there and vote. And that's why, I mean, I, I guess that's like the good side of social media, right? It is because, you know, it, it's the great equalizer. It gives us all a platform to be heard. And before it had to be rich and powerful and or powerful uh, to be heard. And, and Kathy Rundle could go around and gaslight the community about what a good actor she is uh, when, in fact, she uh, is a villain. And so now I get I have a platform. I have my Billy pulpit, so to speak, that I can <laughs> I can, I can tell the truth about these people for whom the truth is their enemy. Um, and so what happens? I post a video, a mini documentary that I produced and, and narrated about a horrific case uh, of Darren Rainey, who was a 50-year-old mentally ill man who was uh, serving a two-year uh, jail sentence on a drug possession, you know, penny ante, nonviolent thing. But the man suffered and was diagnosed with schizophrenia. He had an episode in his cell um, related to his mental disease. And the guards who were notoriously abused in this particular floor of uh, the Dade Corrections, uh, 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 the uh, Dade Correctional Institute, they had rigged a shower. This was a punishment that they had. They dragged him out of the of his cell. They put him into the shower where they rigged the water to be 160 degrees Fahrenheit. Fucking gross, man. They locked him in there. For two hours, other inmates hear him screaming and kicking and apologizing and begging until they don't hear him anymore. His flesh was falling off the bone. They had boiled him to death. And over the course of the next five years, Catherine Fernandez Rundle, Corrections, the Miami-Dade Police Department, the Miami-Dade Medical Examiner engaged in a cover-up of this murder. And after five years, they ultimately blamed Darren Rainey's death on Darren Rainey. They claimed that there was no burns, despite there being multiple degree burns on 30% of his body. They, um, they claimed that his cause of death was accidental, related to schizophrenia, heart disease, and, quote, confinement to a shower. Well, how the fuck was he confined to that shower? Uh, and Kathy Rundle found um, no charges whatsoever against uh, the prison guards who murdered this man. And this is unfortunately only one of 27 years of injustice uh, 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 under Catherine Fernandez Rundle. And so I want to make the world aware of this because yesterday, Tuesday, June 23rd, was the eighth anniversary of Mr. Rainey's murder. For which his murderers were free, Catherine Fernandez Rundle, who not only let them go, but covered up this murder, as she has many others. And so I post this video and she threatens to arrest me for violating, falsely arrest me for violating campaign finance laws which I did not do uh, because she, I am a supporter of her opponent, Melba Pearson, obviously in the race. 
This was not a campaign ad. This was not done for money or for profit or anything like that. You know what it cost? It cost this ad cost six cafecitos because I was up all night banging this this thing out. That's good. That's a good payment, though. I agree. So um, anyway, long story even longer. She threatens. Basically, what she did was Catherine Fernandez Rundle's response. This is rich in irony. Her response to my criticizing her abuse of power is an abuse of power. She threatens to falsely arrest a critic and supporter of her political rival. That's Fidel Castro in Cuba shit. I'm sorry if people don't like the comparison. It's also Putin in Russia shit. But but us but uh, someone in this community who for 27 years has had the power to deprive any of us of life, liberty, and property. She can arrest anybody she wants, rightfully or wrongfully. She can accuse you and charge you under the under the power of the law and the state of anything she wants to. She can seize your house, your business, your car. She decides whether or not to pursue the death penalty in potential capital murder cases. This is a woman who doesn't understand the First Amendment or elections laws. That's who's making these decisions. And a person who thinks that she can threaten to intimidate, bully, and thug critics and silence me like Fidel Castro would in Cuba by threatening to arrest me because she doesn't doesn't like my free speech. She doesn't like to be criticized because she doesn't like people to tell the truth about her. Well, I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to be bullied, okay, by some wannabe tin pot dictator, all right? In fact, as soon as we end this podcast, I'm going back to work on my next Kathy Rundle video. Oh, man, this is good. You heard it here first, everyone. On This is a Pancom podcast exclusive <laughs> Billy's going back to the mattresses against Kathy Grundle. So excited about this in Lexington, Tennessee. Let me shock <laughs> shock waves through Salina, Kansas. Uh, Nick Nick is so good at like the obscure American city thing. Yeah. I cannot <laughs> I cannot keep up. No, no, it's been Salina every time. Salina, Kansas. We like to say Salina, Kansas is where our biggest audience per capita is. Per capita, As a percentage yeah. of the population, more people listen to this podcast in Salina, Kansas than any other market. That's also true. Yeah. 80% yeah. of the city is listening right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah. 80%. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got to uh, – we're going to start, we're gonna start uh, winding, winding down. Away. Yeah. So, so we like to end with and, – and you let me know whether you want to go first – or go last to give yourself a little bit of time to think. That's not the first time you've heard that, huh? Hey, now. Hey, uh, all right. <laughs> but uh, we like to end going sort of, uh, you know, around, and everybody recommends a thing they've consumed. It could really be anything, uh, uh, any kind of music, a documentary, a book, a movie, a meal, whatever it might be, a thing you've done recently that you want to recommend to the people. And then after that, we'll go into all of our shameless plugs. So don't make your recommendation something of yours because you'll have a chance to plug all your I have like a, I have a thing to gripe about. Can I gripe before Billy goes this into a thing? This has to be like the fifth episode in a row that you've just bypassed recommendations and just bitched about something. No, because it's I got a gripe. I have a thing. Like, you know, it's not as serious as like some of the shit that we just talked about, but I got to talk about the fact because on the last podcast I talked about how we gave the GMCVB like credit for reaching out to me and wanting to meet with me. Credit right? rescinded? Credit is fucking rescinded. 150 fucking percent. What happened? 
No, like the GMCVB, right? The the Greater Miami Bureau of whatever the fuck. I'm going to let you try to figure it out. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bunch of fucking things. But basically, uh, I, I came out and I, I talked massive amounts of fucking trash about them because they are a trash organization. And then I, I basically said, if you have the balls to come and talk to me face-to-face, then that would be great. And then they had balls and they came and they talked to me face-to-face. But then the response was... We would love to have a follow-up, so then I followed up with, like, a very articulate email. I am not a fucking emailer. I am just not, by nature, a person that emails well. And then their response was basically, it was, like, two lines, like, noted, go fuck yourself. That was essentially the response I got. Like, a noted, go fuck yourself. I don't care about your fucking opinion. I'm sorry, for those of us jo- just joining your program already in progress, what is this beef born out of? You, okay, Mike doesn't like Miami Spice, is the Cliff's Notes. That's not the truth. That's not the whole, you got to give him the whole fucking context, guy. So like. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I need it in like 300 yeah, words. No, I know. It's got to mean, what is it, 90 characters or whatever yeah. the fuck? I don't understand. 120. Ha- ha- Mike's going to give you the hashtag thread right now. Hashtag yeah. tweetstorm. <laughs> No, basically, uh, the GMCVB came out after post-COVID and the quarantine was over and then restaurants could reopen. They said, hey, so what we're going to do in our bright idea to, um, like, activate restaurants again is to start Miami Spice in June. June 1. And have it run through the normal. And run through all the way to the end of September. So basically, the idea, the, the idea was... I know you've suffocated for 90 days with no revenue, so now we're going to tell you that for $39 per person in a three-course menu, you'll, you'll be fine, and we'll help you promote that. And that's not what restaurants need right now. Restaurants need revenue, right? So I, I, like, I was like really lit up this day that we, we recorded this podcast, and I was just test. And then equally, then the, the GMCVB came out and said, like, we have a great idea, and we're going to start Miami Spice June 1. So I'm like, oh, so how the fuck am I supposed to operate any kind of business under this kind of like that we're on right now? And I was like, I only dropped a like I only cussed one time in 90 minutes. That's fucking nuts for me. That's crazy. The fact that I never lost my temper, not one fucking time. And then on top of that, they were like, we would love to follow up. And then I wrote it. It has me like through the fucking roof. Thirty nine dollars a person for a three course menu that we're going to get fucked on for 60 days. Right. We pay for that. Right. And basically, I, I personally, I have no issue doing it in August and September. As a professional, I'm like, I know that in August and September, we're fucking dead and we need to drive revenue. But you literally had 90 days to sit on the sideline and to not understand how to better help your community. Right. And your bright idea was June 1, we're going to start Miami Spice again. First of all, I'm doing that dubious face emoji with like the lines for eyes and the line straight line for a mouth. I don't know what they call. I'm calling a dubious face emoji. But let me let me tell you right now. The re the, here's the thing. All of these people in the public sector values and perverse incentives. Okay, your elected officials they measure progress by the number of construction cranes on the horizon and the amount of public money that they can uh, misappropriate to millionaire and billionaire developers and sports team owners. You, people like Bill Talbert and the, the racket, total racket that is Greater Miami and the Beaches, um, 
Yes, they, they've had months to sit around and figure out how to help, but they don't care. You know why? Because next year, they get the same $32 million budget. They get the same $275,000 Miami. They get, it, they get it irregardless, okay? So they get, it, they get it regardless. And so they don't care. They don't have to sit around and solve your problems because they get paid any which way. You're the people, you're the people who are on the front lines. You're the people who are suffering. You're the people who have people who, who have a people who can't afford not to come to work, possibly risk getting. So at least they have a chance of making some money in a restaurant business. Okay. And you're, and you're the people who don't profit from Miami Spice. It, it you're goes, the people who are just trying, you're just trying to break even through those months. Right. I mean, it, it for me, it goes like it, it, there's a fundamental loss, right? It's um, forget about the aspect of making money, right? For me, it's like I I got into the whole owning a restaurant and trying to say a story through food and trying to say a say a story through like restaurants and the, just the whole concept because I wanted to further the story of Miami as a city, right? But then when you have the people that have the money in order to say that story on a national level that don't give a fuck about helping us further our story on a national level, then that is when it becomes an issue. Because at that point, I'm doing my job and this whole thing, like I'm, I'm holding up a flag for Miami as a city and Miami food, right? Saying that, hey, look at us, we don't suck. Because in the country, the perception is that Miami food is fucking not very good. And that's a fucking lie. But the problem is, is that the people that we pay lots of money to in order to help us further that thing, don't give a fuck. And that's why I'm like Miami spices. It's just like a small, it's a small, just like, it's a little, it's a little thing that I, I, I use in order to get into their ear to understand that really as a whole function as a city you're doing us an injustice you have a bunch of people that give a fuck about not only their jobs and their well-being and their livelihood but give a fuck about the city on a level that we, we have something and it, like i and i'm gonna go all the way back to like one of the first things we talked about which was the you right like talking about the U in the 80s, we had something to prove. And that's why the real restaurants in the city, I always relate them to the hurricanes in the 80s. We had something to prove, right? And this is why it, it, it's something that's very deep for me. It's something that matters a lot. For these people, they don't give a fuck. They don't care. That for us, uh, for them, we're just a number, you know, and, and we move on. And we, you know, so anyways, that's my gripe. I did, I did my gripe. I stood on they, my fucking. I did, I stood on my thing and I did my they gripe. Don't, they don't know what you need because they don't care. Because they could hit you up anytime. They could, if they cared, they could go out and ask restaurant owners, "What is it you guys need right now?" We're in a very unique time in history. We're in a very difficult time uh, for businesses that rely on tourism. Businesses rely on people coming lies irrigating what is it you need what can we do instead they said how do we push our hustle which is miami spice and getting that you know and, and oh we're going to offer you guys this year you get miami spice for free which is crazy i did not know you guys pay in to participate Welcome. in miami Welcome. spice 
I mean, Welcome that, to is, that. that is a racket on top of a racket inside a racket wrapped in a racket. I mean, that is just. <laughs> it's I just mean, a racquetball. We're you just got, playing racquetball at that point. You got schemes and scams and scams and schemes. They're folding into each other like some kind of Chris Nolan shit. I mean, like. They're just fucking folding into them. So this is some inception scam. This is like, this is an inception. This is a Miami level inception scam. I mean, and, and I, I, good for you, by the way, because this is the point about Miami is that we get rid of our good history and we preserve our bad. Okay. We yeah. get rid of the Orange Bowl. We get rid of the Miami Herald thing. And we preserve Greater Miami and the beaches. This is some kind of great tradition. We preserve the Suarez's and the Jimenez's and the Hardiman. Like these are institutions who have done nothing but steal from us and plague our community for generations. And these are the institutions that we respect and preserve and continue to allow uh, and, and that we continue to empower and allow to flourish. I mean, that's what we, we need to tear down those institutions. Okay, we need to tear down. Uh, the institution of Greater Miami and the beaches. We well, we're, tear we're, we're tearing that motherfucker down. I and mean, listen, like, good for you. I, there's, for the I'm not, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this, in this, like, uh, in this understanding. The, the problem is, before I go deeper into it, it's just the problem is that in the restaurant industry, people are scared because they need money to survive, right? And yes, I need money to survive, but I am much more worried about keeping together the substance long-term. And this is what I said, what I meant earlier, right? Is that we are part of the change. Our generation is part of the change. Our generation is willing to have a conversation and to challenge those ideas that we've had forever because just because they've been there and that's not okay. It's not okay to just say, this is fine because this has been like this forever. I need to question it. I need to question, why is this like this? I don't understand why you think like this. Can you explain it to me? So maybe I better understand it. This is, we are part of the change. And that's why I have faith in that. How about in addition to allowing you to participate gratis in Miami Spice this year, they also give all the restaurants who uh, participated last year a refund from last year. And That's the year before, how about five years of refunds? Because they never should have been charging you in the first place because they're all, they already get paid and have a $32 million budget to do what they're supposed to be doing right. you guys anyway. And Miami Spice was, anyway. Okay, they're getting, they're getting paid from every side right. in, the, in this racket is the thing. So they, they, they should be coming to you when they say, what do you guys need? Which, by the way, nobody did until you started criticizing them publicly. What do you need? Like, what do we need? We need money. We need jobs. We need customers or some, any variation thereof. And they should just be giving you guys money. That's what they should be doing. They should just well, be giving you guys money. I mean, at the end of the day, and this is exactly what I told or, you. Or is I that socialism? No. That I, I, don't, I, I, don't. I don't think the fact that I've given them money for the last 10 years of my life. And whether when I was an owner, before I was an owner, it didn't matter. Every restaurant that I've been a part of, <clears throat> my entire career has given them money, right? At this point, and it's just like I, I told the South Beach Food and Wine Festival, we need you now to show up for the community more than ever. This isn't just, it, w without us, you don't exist, you know? And, you know, to a certain extent, the South Beach Food and Wine Festival definitely showed up. And, 
you know, I'm still waiting to see, you know, I basically got the one line response from my email that took me three days to write um, from the GMCVB. And I guess we'll just see what happens from here. I guess, I mean, I'm not expecting a major change because like you said, they, they still, they're still going to receive their money from the state and they're going to be totally fine and they're going to have their job. But at the end of the day, if there's no restaurants to promote, then they're not going to have a job very long. But maybe, but maybe I want to stop talking about the GMHPV or whatever it okay. is. But um, I, I think that uh, thanks, Nick. Nick got it. So uh, I, I, because it's just another. It, but they exemplify, like you said, you were, you were using Miami Spice as sort of a microcosm of what's wrong with it. But they exemplify what's wrong with this community. And it's instituted and made revenue down the way that it is. Maybe next year in Tallahassee, they don't get their $32 million, which is all the more reason that they should be. They don't even know how to do this anymore because they have been broken for so long. They've been part of the problem for so long. They're not suddenly overnight going to be part of the solution. So instead of them thinking, oh, my God, we are maybe holding on for dear life here and you're going to have a lot of challenges next year going to Tallahassee during the legislative session and and justifying our existence maybe we should actually go out into the community and do some good so that the restaurant owners like Mike go to Tallahassee and lobby and say we need these guys these guys came through for us and helped us when we were down but it's the same thing I was getting at before this government is so broken locally at the state level at the federal level they're so broken year round that when we finally get into a crisis or an emergency like this they're not suddenly helping like they should be uh, and and hopefully these guys are, are running scared hopefully these guys realize that florida is not going to have the money to just toss 32 mil uh, over here i'd like to see the governor ron DeSantis, do something good for a change and and maybe use his line item veto power to say maybe 32 million dollars for this racket you know down there in miami miami beach is not is not worthwhile maybe they should be scared that they're not going to be funded next year. Maybe they should be scared that people like us are going to lobby against them, are going to go to Republicans in the legislature who control this, this state and its budget and go, hey, you guys are conservative, small government, you know, cut the budget, you know, kind of get you know, fiscal conservatives. I got $32 million real fast you can cut from that budget. Just saying. This is good. This is good. Nick's Nick's trying to rush us off here. He's done. He's Play, done the playing day. the wrap it up music over yeah, here. Yeah, he's playing. The, he's starting to wrap us. What up. time is it? You're paying him time and a half, baby. <laughs> no, listen. I just I just want to make sure we leave some meat on the bone so Billy comes back and I also get a duck media. I know you. Nick, Nick, let's keep it real. I'm never coming back on this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, not 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 unless there is a duck media noche involved. That's I what I'm saying. No, I no, think no. we I, under. I think we understand. I'm not inviting you back unless there's a Doug Mitty. <laughs> this is a tit-for-tat situation. I'm like Francis Suarez. I'm a transactional kind of guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I'm sure you wear masks in public, not like Francis. Oh, too soon. Oh, no! His buddy Pharrell and Dave Grumman are probably very upset. Hey, listen, someday that ugly duckling may grow up to be a swan. <laughs> good. That was good. That was good. All right, I got I got no recommendations. I know, honest. I know. But if you if you I had have, one, I wouldn't let you give them. I have no recommendations. I haven't watched any. You know, honestly, I can recommend this one thing: do not watch the show on Netflix called um, "The Floor Is Lava." 
That is my recommendation. Do what not watch are you this show. Talking about? Yeah, I'm, I love it. First of all, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I, I'm going to tell everybody to watch it because no. I'm a Netflix <laughs> guy, and you should watch anything and watch anything they recommend you on Netflix. But no, but there's funny. I love I love this about you, Mike. Is that like this is the recommendation segment of your show, and you're like. That are like, let me tell you what I don't recommend. Okay, yeah, like I yeah. love. Listen, I don't talk like I'm from Kendall. Let's be real. I'm from Little Havana. Let's talk, about bro. It. Like you're what I call a hater. Okay, bro. <laughs> like, uh, this is Mayor Francis Suarez, bro. And I'm telling you right now, you gotta learn to be more positive, bro. Dude, who, dude, who, who are these Miami cholos? Billy Corbin <laughs> is hanging uh, out with. They eat at Steak and Shake, and they all drive Nissans, and they're all dropped. Bro, let me let me tell you, like, let me tell you what the fa- what very famous saying: We have nothing to fear, but. Nissan Altimas with IMMDC stickers on them. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> I think that's how famous. No, I don't know if that's how it goes, but I'll, I'll promote that. I'll promote that. I don't know a lot of Spanish, but I, I heard that IMMDC means I have no turn signal. Is that true? No, I, no, I don't know. I don't know. My, ter- my car doesn't let me change lanes unless I use a fucking turn signal. It's crazy. It's Are crazy. you serious? It's crazy. Yeah, it's an Audi. I, I can't wait to get rid of it. It's the worst. You're in an Audi now? First of all, is that is that new? Because I didn't even know Audis came with turn signals. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you go to an Audi dealership. You have to fill out an asshole application just to qualify to buy one of those. First of all, my car is a rental. I'd like to put that out there because I do not like this vehicle. I took I took my fuzzy dice from my last car and I put it in the Audi, and I I don't. It doesn't make sense. Can you imagine the eight? The 836 and the 826 experience, if everybody had cars that would not let you change lanes, no, if you had no. to use your turn signal, I, I, I assume everybody would just be driving into the wall. It would, look, it would look like a scene from Judge Dredd, I think. Billy, this has been a good time. I mean, whenever you want to come back and not talk about whatever documentaries you have coming up, that's cool. I'm game. Yeah, because we clearly didn't have enough to talk about the last 14 <laughs> hours or however long I've been on the show. But honestly, I really look forward to never doing this again. Yeah, I excellent. Know. I just keep on uh, cre- keep on crushing uh, Kathy Grundle on uh, on Twitter, and it'll be great. One of these days, I hope to be up early enough to get some patalitos from Chugs because I'm always <laughs> like the late. I'm the late riser. Who's always just like, there's like nothing left. It's just like fucking <laughs> crickets and empty baskets and just. But you have a duck medianoche whenever you need one. I love it. I love that thing. I really do. Thank you. All right. All right. This has been a good time, man. Thanks, dude. Anytime. Thank you, guys. Take it easy, brother.